Hi, you're listening to It Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is how we adapt. That's the focus of It Happened to Me, which wants to help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, co-hosts Kathy Gildenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me, I'm not alone, and neither are you. Today, our guests on It Happened to Me, I'm Not Alone, and Neither Are You are Sean Curry and Karen Forston. Sean Curry, MPH, serves as Program Director for the Prevention of Blindness Society, or POB, of Metropolitan Washington. In this role, he oversees POB's comprehensive suite of low vision programs, the See for Yourself Screening and Education Program, and Program Measurement and Evaluation Activities. Sean also provides guidance for POB's public health information initiatives. Previously, Sean worked in public health promotion with Penn Medicine Lancaster General Health. Sean earned his Bachelor of Science in Biology and Health Sciences from Lebanon Valley College and his Master of Public Health from the George Washington University. Karen Forston, CEO, is POB's fifth chief executive in its more than 85-year history. Karen brings extensive leadership expertise in both private and nonprofit sectors. Most recently, Karen served as director of marketing with Verizon. She has a demonstrated history of success in improving client service experiences through relationship building, meaningful communications, and high-performing cross-functional teams. This experience is invaluable to her role at POB, leading efforts to increase partnerships and community awareness of POB's work. Karen earned her BS from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and Master's of Business Administration from University of Maryland right here in College Park. She is actively involved in her community through nonprofit organizations such as the George Washington University Hospital and the Junior League of Washington. Well, Karen and Sean, welcome to It Happened to Me, I'm Not Alone and Neither Are You. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Karen, you are the CEO of an organization committed to helping individuals with vision disability in Washington, Maryland, and Virginia. How did you get involved with POB? Well, the mission was really a good fit. I have family who have experienced advanced macular degeneration, age-related macular degeneration, Uh and... I have separate family with advanced glaucoma. Additionally, an in-law with uh, untreated childhood strabismus, which resulted in legal blindness in one eye. And so with all of the new uh, activities in vision, more awareness and more access 
uh, services could help people really overcome the challenges. And um, before I joined POB, I, I just had the opportunity to, to really pull together organizations uh, after with my experience in the corporate world and also in the volunteering world here in the Washington area. Well, it's interesting that you have a personal connection to um, visual impairment and blindness, and that probably gives you even a greater spirit and uh, empathy for dealing with your clients. And I'm wondering, um, how has, has programming changed uh, with new awareness of visual disabilities? Well, um, I have been with the organization for about five years, and we have greatly expanded our offerings uh, thanks to a lot of the activities that Sean's going to give you more details about. But I'll, I'll go into a little bit of an overview. Um, we started uh, connecting with a lot of national organizations and other organizations like us in other communities to find out some of their best practices. And as always, we went out to our community and asked, what do you need? And then there was the pandemic. So all of these things kind of came together for an innovative new approach um, and a, a great expansion. So um, we have for a long time supported low vision rehabilitation through Dr. Suleiman Alibi. And we have been known in the community for over 30 years with low vision support groups. But we've also added in the Low Vision Resource Center in Bethesda and now in Alexandria uh, so that people can meet one person at a time with someone to help them. Additionally, we have a hotline. And with the pandemic, we started having a town hall to connect people during the pandemic. And the response has been so good that we have just kept it going and really don't see an end in sight for our, our regular monthly town halls. We continue with our support groups and we even have tech talks as technology has become more and more important <laughs> to people at, at every age and every part of the vision experience. And so, um, that has been a, a good program. Additionally, we have um, started luncheons and we're working our way around the Beltway and to, to uh, downtown DC, but uh, we call them the Be the Light Lunch Programs and they're where we bring families together as well as persons who are impacted with a vision impairment because it's not something that just happens to the individual, it also happens to the families. And so uh, we like to provide an environment with a panel of um, families that have already been through this, pan families and individuals, as well as um, uh, letting everyone sit at a table and um, uh, start these conversations amongst amongst themselves as well. You know, wow. Karen, you said something right at the beginning that really struck me, and you used the term collaborative effort. 
And this is something that is so key and is, I think, remarkable about POB. Um, typically, when uh, they're a nonprofit, every uh, group has uh, good intentions and a good heart, but they don't necessarily work with each other. And that's something I really do want to commend POB on your outreach and talking to other groups so that you find a niche and you fill that niche. And you've been extraordinarily successful at that. And so your list of um, accomplishments that you've just run through is, is extraordinarily impressive. I'm gonna let Kathy delve into um, the particulars, but a uh, very impressive list of outreach that you're involved with. Absolutely, couldn't agree more, Beth. Um, but Karen and Sean, I'd like to switch gears for a moment to how can local governments help people um, to, and help to make life easier for people with visual impairment? Is there anything they can do? Local governments can have a huge impact on making things better for the people who live in their communities and have visual impairments. They can encourage and retrofit government buildings to be more accessible. Their various departments can help with awareness of services in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors um, so that everyone can work together to be helpful um, for those individuals. The government can do so that public schools are more visually accessible for students. Um, with any low vision issues so that I don't know, I have trouble personally with fluorescent lights on white floors and it's just the glare, I can't see a thing. And maybe there's some simple things they could do to you know, have a cream floor or something that would make a big difference in the quality of vision and, and life for the kids with any kind of visual impairment or the teachers. Well. It- Every environment can benefit with the introduction of contrast. And for every person with um, a a visual impairment, there there are a lot of different ones. So whereas dark floors might work for some people, for other people, it may feel like they're stepping off into nothingness. Um, And so uh, what we generally talk about is contrast, so that there's a a difference between the walls and the ceilings, and even there's a difference between the um, the paint that goes around the doors as opposed to the wall color, so that you have a sense of where you're going to be walking through. Um, lighting, that is a really tough challenge. And I think there are going to be more and more conversations and designs around better lighting for everyone. At some point, I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, we're going to be retrofitting our building with lighting that uh, the individual can affect the temperature. Some people <clears throat> see better with cool. Some people see better with warm lighting. Um, and some people don't want very much lighting at all, or they want their lighting to be on their task only. So it it really is very individual oriented. Uh, but but the one thing that comes through is high con high contrast between surfaces and be- between transitions, and trying to help people see their way through. How do you 
notify the public and patients of your many sources and services and resources and everything you offer? How do you get the word out to them? You know, the key to communication success is getting the right message to the right person at the right time. And that is uh, one of our ongoing challenges because people, you know, um, have, start to have vision uh, uh, impairment experiences at different points in their lives. And so where the message might not have been appropriate for them earlier, all of a sudden it will be. And so we just try to stay out in our community. We talk to groups, we talk to government agencies, we talk to other nonprofits, we go to places of worship, we go to doctor's offices, offices specifically, ophthalmology offices. We talk to hospitals and more. And if you had other suggestions of places we needed to go, <laughs> we would love to know that too. Um, we also leave written materials behind for people to share. And then our website is a font of information and uh, it is www youreyes.org. It's Y-O-U-E-Y-E-S.org. And we have a lot of information, both written and verbal. It's been recorded for people to listen to. And then we have a monthly newsletter. And I was going to say, I get yes. your monthly newsletter and it's in large print, very easy to read and extremely informative. And we'll be sure to put the links to any of these wonderful resources or websites that you would like us to provide to the audience so they can just click right on the show notes. Oh, terrific. Well, Kathy, let me bring Sean into the conversation. Sean, welcome to the podcast. And you're in charge of programming at POB. So let's discuss some of the various uh, programming that you um you have up and running. So let's let's start off with the low vision programs. All right, thank you. And Beth and Kathy, thank you for having us on today. Oh, um, we you. do have quite a few programs throughout the DMV area. And what we're trying to do at the end of the day with all of these is to help those with vision loss, as well as their loved ones, be able to learn how to do the things they still want to do. They want to remain independent. They want to get employment. They want to just enjoy their time. We want to be there to do that kind of stuff. So we have three main programs, our low vision resource and support group network, our low vision resource centers, and then the vision rehabilitation aspect. Our resource and support group network, as Karen mentioned, is our longest standing network or our longest standing program. And so what we do uh, within our dozen or so groups as well as our tech talks and our town halls and our being the light events is get those with vision loss connected with others experiencing vision challenges. One thing we consistently run into is folks that are new to vision loss will say, I've never met another blind person before, or nobody understands what I'm going through. And we want to make sure they get connected and they know you're not the only person going through this. There's actually quite a few people and we're going to be much more powerful together and we're going to learn a lot more together. And so our network of about 2000, we have about 2000 on our mailing list. And that says just in the DMV area, they are getting connected. They're learning together 
and they're making a difference with each other. And I've definitely noticed a positive impact with that. The other aspect is our Low Vision Resource Center. Uh, this is a relatively new program for us. We brought it in January of 2020, and we had a great idea of how this was going to go. And two months later, COVID. <laughs> COVID, yeah. <laughs> but well, it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise because we transitioned it. And one thing that you know we always th- don't, you don't really always think about, is transportation and how are folks going to get somewhere. And when you're visually impaired, that makes it even more difficult. So with the center being unavailable for a while because of the COVID pandemic, we developed a resource hotline that became a way for folks to still connect, ask questions, and learn. And today it is one of our uh, leading pieces of the resource center. Now, the resource center is located in Bethesda and now Alexandria, and it's a place for people to come and try out different technologies. Like Karen mentioned, technology is becoming an even larger piece of the pie when it comes to accessibility, independence, and quality of life. And the center has a lot of these different pieces. So that way folks can come and try these things out. A lot of the times they'll learn about this through secondhand or through infomercials. And they think, oh, this is going to be the one that helps me. This is going to be it. And sometimes... Um, Is the resource center fully available online for people that are having trouble getting to the um, office or getting to the resource center? Um, Can they still take advantage of what's offered there? Well, so you're never going to be able to do things virtually when it comes to trying out the equipment. The only way you're going to be able to learn it is to try it out. Yeah. However, the information, referrals, all of that stuff, that's available right through our hotline. But with the center, it gives them a chance to try out different technologies and find what's best for them. And that's so important, especially in today's age when there's so much out there and a lot of it can be expensive. And the last thing we want to hear is somebody bought a $4,000 piece of equipment that's collecting dust. And so that's what the center is there for. And our staff there, they're absolutely incredible. They take as much time as you need. And what's really great is they're visually impaired themselves. So they have this knowledge, not just because it's part of their job, it's because it's part of their lives as well. You know, Sean, I might add, um, I'm one of those that bought a piece of equipment that I don't use. And you're exactly (laughs) right. That is not a good thing. But I I think just to uh, explain to our listeners to have the opportunity to try out different magnifiers, or lights, or even computers in a non-purchasing setting. There is no pressure on you to buy a thing. And so it is a very comfortable way to experience this. So I would suggest while we try to do things, sometimes we can't get to a location, ask a friend to bring you, ask your daughter to bring you, come with your mom, whatever it may be, make yourself available and go try these pieces of equipment because (laughs) there's nothing like trying it yourself. And I think having the wonderful folks at the center to give you good guidance couldn't be a better environment. Bless you for having these centers, Sean. This is really a terrific thing. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate it. 
Now, um, for the support groups that you offer, are these virtual or in person? That's a great question. And this also, you know, let's go back again to 2020. We right. had to figure out, you know, well, what the heck do we do now? And the thing with blindness and vision impairment is that you, studies have shown you're at a higher risk of being isolated and depression and all of these negative consequences. So when something like COVID hits where it just makes that possibility even stronger, we knew we need to figure this out and we need to figure this out quickly. So our first foray into this was our town hall. And we were, we did it, you know, we didn't have zoom yet. Uh, and we thought to ourselves, okay, well, our typical clientele, a lot of them are, you know, in, in their elder ages, 60s, 70s, 80s, even a hundred years old. So technology might not quite be their strong suit yet. So we formed a, we made a conference call and we made it a conference call. And the first one we had, we had about 90 people on a one conference call. Wow. Thankfully <laughs> we uh, figured out a way that we could, you know, keep everyone muted and they'll say had a question. So that way there wasn't all this background noise, but uh, it was a great opportunity for us to learn on the fly. And everyone was flexible with it too. And I think they really appreciated what we did. All right, fast forward now to today. Um, many of our programs are still available, both virtually and in person. For example, That's terrific. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And what's also been a very positive thing that I've seen is the, um, you know, the elder states people, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they're soon pros now. Sorry, yeah. they are so <laughs> Kathy, that's us, by the way. We're the elder folks. That's what I yeah. said. Sign no, no, up. no. I, you're, not an, you're not a day over 30. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, keep talking, keep talking. Okay, but I want to hear more of that. This is so interesting. It is so nice and such a great service. Yeah, so, and, you know, just kind of tying a bow on that, we have looked into and played around with doing more in person again. And what we are doing, though, is we're responding to what our clients want. Some groups want to stay virtual. Other groups want to be in person. And we're remaining flexible with that to make sure we're meeting the needs of our um, team members. And so that's a big, um, been a major adjustment for us, but it's been a net positive overall. But has being hybrid like that and, and, and enlarged your audience? Yes. Um, has it really made your services even more available to a broader group of people just because you're so flexible? Absolutely, yes, because now it's not position specific. So, for example, we had one in Bethesda, we had one in DC, we had one in Alexandria. And so it was at a specific spot. And you always had to think about okay, can people get here? Is the time appropriate? Is traffic going to be terrible? And the DMV area, the answer is always yes. <laughs> and so it has given us more opportunity and it's made it easier for folks to be able to access these sorts of things. Wow. Now, I'm wondering, where are senior living facilities and what's discussed there? Great question. So there's senior living facilities all throughout the DMV area. Uh, last I counted, there's something like 200 or 300 of them just oh, wow. in Maryland, Virginia. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few of them. And what we do there, and this is something that we really are trying to do more and more of, is raising awareness about 
vision loss, and the aging eye diseases. And we do this by going out and doing talks. And we call our talks the aging eye. We originally hmm. tried, we originally tried, you know, low vision, low vision, low vision. But a lot of folks don't quite understand what that means. But mm -hmm. when they hear the aging eye, they think, perfect. This is something I might be able to know about. I can relate to. Yeah. 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 And so it's it's been a great opportunity for us to raise awareness and also get more folks who maybe aren't visually impaired, but maybe visually impaired adjacent. So maybe a spouse or a loved one or somebody who has like a glaucoma or macular degeneration, but hasn't quite lost a lot of sight yet, making them aware there's a lot out there if you do lose some more sight. And the earlier you can know about this, the better. Wow, that's great. Well, trying to put um, what you've been saying together, what are the goals of your advocacy for people who are visually impaired? Great question. So one of the major things is we want to first, we want to raise people be aware. What is low vision and what's available? That's a major piece, probably the largest issue that we are running into. And this is not just a DMV thing. This is a national level issue. Uh, and so that's one major aspect of it. The next major thing we're trying to do is help people be self-advocates for themselves as well. And we do this, one way we kind of do this is through our Being the Light events. As Karen mentioned, it's a chance for us to get people to connect and bring their loved ones with them to this opportunity. So that way, they can learn about communication strategies and loved ones can maybe understand a little bit more about what's my day-to-day -day like. And also, oh, you're doing something like this. Why are you doing it this way? Or maybe I don't need to do everything for you, or maybe I need to do something for you. We tend to have a lot of the one way or the other where they mm -hmm. are doing everything or you're on your own. Nothing. Yeah. And um, bridging that gap is a big piece of the pie. And then the other advocacy part, and this is largely going to be in the senior living facilities, is working together to make sure that things are accessible. Senior living facilities overall do a good job, but you're not going to get everything right because you don't have vision loss yourself, those who are you know, developing things sure. like that. Right. And so when we have groups that are there, we work with them and help them out. You know, how do we effectively communicate, you know? I need the lunch menu a certain size or the newsletter, it's too small. Can we maybe make it a little larger? Uh, and communicating that again in an effective way that's going to get the point across, but it doesn't come off overbearing. Most senior living facilities, they want to see their clients be happy. They want them to stay there after all. So Sean, I have to ask you a question that's near and dear to my heart. I'm a glaucoma patient and I'm always advocating for glaucoma patients. So what, would you tell us, what is the problem with glaucoma and vision? Great question. So glaucoma is commonly called the sneaky thief of sight. Why yeah. is that? Well, glaucoma, and I'm going to be speaking about the most common form, which is primary open angle. It's actually a group of diseases. Glaucoma impacts your optic nerve. The optic nerve is the nerve that's in the back of your eye that connects your eye to your brain. Kind of think of it as like that big telephone cable that you see with the power lines, but it's connecting your eye to your brain. Millions of nerves, right? Damage is happening due to 
pressure being put on that nerve. And what happens is those nerve fibers get damaged and they stop functioning correctly. Over, over many, many years, sometimes decades, vision loss deteriorates and it takes away your peripheral or side vision. And I'm doing a visual right now for those on the podcast where I'm kind of making horse blinders with my hands. Over time, you're losing sight from the side. It's very, very difficult to notice that. Oftentimes, people don't notice it if they haven't gotten an eye exam <laughs> until they've lost a significant amount of sight. And the major issue with primary open angle glaucoma is that vision loss from it is permanent. There's not a way to get it back right now. So that it is absolutely it permanent. It is absolutely permanent. And when you say a thief in the night, I can't agree more strongly. I can remember being in the car with my son. I was driving and his hand, he reached to change the music on the radio in the car. And all of a sudden I saw a hand. It appeared, it seemed out of nowhere. I was losing the sight peripherally to the right. And I didn't know it. So when you say permanent loss, it's permanent. We can't sugarcoat this. So I hope that people will go to their doctor and get checked. So Sean, how is POB helping people get that treatment? Well, we have our adult screening program. Perfect. Um, and what we do with that program is we are out in the community providing glaucoma screenings. We call it see for yourself. Now, mm. we don't just do the screenings and we screen with multiple different diagnostic tests. We look at your vision field. We look at your eye pressure. And then we also take a picture of the back of the eye that then gets interpreted by an eye doctor. Mm. However, the more important piece almost for this is the follow-up piece with this <clears throat> and education. Because we can tell you till we're blue in the face, hey, you failed your screening, but then what? And so with our follow-up, we will follow up multiple times throughout the next couple weeks, seeing if you've scheduled an eye exam. And if the answer is no, we are, provide the resources that you need to schedule an eye exam. Whether that be, I need help finding an eye doctor, or I don't know what to ask when I go to the eye doctor, or I don't know if my insurance is accepted by this or that. We have information for that. And we also have information on a website, glaucomadc.org, that has information specific for the DMV area. And again, the most important part is trying to build that relationship and get people to an eye doctor. That is the most important thing when it comes to glaucoma is if you, if you might have it, get an exam. And if you have it, take the medications or do what the doctor tells you to do. It will stop in most cases or slow vision loss from the disease. And this wow. is a disease that is hereditary. So it runs in families. If you have a parent that has glaucoma, you should be on the ready. You should know that you should get your eyes checked. Oh, this is a wonderful, wonderful <coughs> program. Glaucoma is the second leading cause of blindness. It is nothing to fool around with. This is a great, great program, Sean. That's terrific, Sean. Thank you. And do you at POB have health events? And what are the topics? Where do they happen? Um, just to get 
information out about all vision loss and, and eyes. Yeah, we have several different opportunities for getting the word out. Um, I mentioned about our aging eye talks at senior living facilities. We'll also periodically go to places of worship or even government agencies to share this information and to try to network and find, you know, Karen likes to say we want to make friends with people so that way we can continue to get the word out. And uh, we want to do this more and more because the more opportunities and the more hits we get with people seeing, okay, get an eye exam, get an eye exam, you have a better opportunity of that happening. Uh, so that is a major piece of the pie you know, as well. Um, and what topics are discussed at your webinars that you had talked about and how can people participate with them? Yeah, great question. So with our webinars, one, we have a town hall. And we talk about various low vision topics. We have speakers come on all the time, can range from different resources and services to the emotional impacts of vision loss and discussing that. And then we also had a campaign back in February called Love Your Eyes, where we had eye doctors throughout the DC metro area and um, shameless, shamelessly gonna say, I think the DMV area has some of the best doctors in the world when it comes to eye care. Uh, as well as some of the most prestigious institutions when it comes to that. Um, and they came and they talked about the different eye conditions and diseases, including macular degeneration, glaucoma, dry eye, cataracts, diabetic retinopathy, and all the like to help raise awareness. Now, if you want to listen to recordings, we do have it on our YouTube page, Your Eyes DC. Huh. And uh, that's an opportunity for you to listen anytime you would like. That's another link we want to be able to put into our notes for this episode, because that would be very valuable for anyone interested in, in the topic. You know, Sean, you have presented so many programs that are available to people with vision loss who are beginning to experience vision loss, who have already encountered vision loss and the idea that people know they're not alone is so very important this is just a wonderful service and i'm thinking you have in person you have virtual you have programs that are led by people who have suffered vision loss so you've got the empathy angle this is all so wonderful i'm wondering if there's any advice you can share with our listeners well, so the first thing I'll say is if someone on the call here maybe does not have a vision problem or you think you may have something, go get an eye exam. Get an eye exam every year, especially if you're over the age of 50 or you have a family history of anything. Cannot stress enough. That is so important. Catch this stuff early because then you can get treatment done. Now, the low vision side, biggest thing, you're not alone and there's a lot out there. And vision loss is not a death sentence. You can still do a lot of what you want to do. Sean, that is such great advice. Thank you for that. And Karen, before we leave tonight, I wanted to ask you, what advice would you like to share with our listeners? Well, I would like everyone to know that um, you are welcome at our facility whenever. Call, come and see us. You don't have to wait until uh, your vision has has um, 
has reached a certain point, if your activities or someone you love's activities are affected because of their vision, that's a great time to have a conversation with us. We might just have some easy things, easy ideas. Um, I think they're calling them hacks nowadays uh, of, of how to keep doing the things that you love one way or another. <sighs> well, Sean and Karen, it has truly been a pleasure to have you on the program I am so impressed with what POB does in our community. And I think our listeners are going to hear and learn about what you offer. Thank you so much for being a guest on It Happened to Me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having this. This is terrific. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app like Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenge community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. I'm Kira Deneen from DNA Today, and I serve as our executive producer and marketing lead. Amanda Andrioli is our associate producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you.